Hey, when we started this uh, series uh, at the very beginning, we looked at what God's desire was for our worship. What is worship? And what is God's desire for us? And we talked about the importance of worshiping in spirit and in truth. And then last week, we looked at how much better it is when we worship together. There's something about when we come together that is just better. You know, we can worship God anytime, anywhere on our own, but there's something about when we come together that God's able to work in such a supernatural way. And then today, we're going to be looking at the importance of our faith in worship. We're looking at the importance of our faith in worship. You know, worship, we said at the very beginning, was it's something that's a reflective response. To worship something is to bow down. It's a reverent fear. It's a service. You know, we're serving. We're publicly praising. It's reverence. And from a secular perspective, there's all different kinds of ideas about what worship is. But when you look at Scripture, what the idea is for worship, there's a clear, um, clear definition for what worship is. It's a posture. It's a posture that is directed towards God. We are focused on God as we bow down, as we revere Him, as we serve Him, as we publicly praise Him. That reverence that we have is all directed towards God. That's what biblical worship is. And it's in response to God and what he has done. It's a response to what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. You see, biblical worship is a response to God. We are responding to, to God and what he will do, what he's doing, and what he's done. In Psalm 117, the author encourages us to praise the Lord, all the nations, extol him, all the people. And it's a command And so in one sense, it's difficult to praise God if you have nothing to praise him for. And so the writer's encouraging us to praise the Lord, to extol him, because for his steadfast love towards us, because of the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. As a result, we praise him. And so sandwiched in between this idea that we're supposed to be worshiping God or praising God is the idea that it's because of what he has done for us because of his steadfast love towards us, because of the faithfulness of the Lord that endures forever. And so we worship him and we praise him in response to what he's done for us. We loved him because he first loved us. And so worship is a a response. And so as we come together this morning, the question I want to ask us is, is, you know, why are we here this morning? It's not a right or wrong question. It's a reflective question that I want you to think about for a moment. Why are you watching online right now? Or why are you sitting in a chair right now? What is it that has drawn us together? What is it about our worship? You know, if someone were to ask you when you get home or when you're in your workplace, hey, I went to church this morning, and they were to say, well, why did you go to church? How would you answer the question? You know, if you're watching online this morning, it took, some, it took some great effort to watch online. Because I tell you, you've got all kinds of distractions. When I, I tried to watch online once for the whole service, and I tell you, I had to go to the bathroom, I had to get some snacks, and I mean, it was just, it was hard to watch the service online. It takes a lot of effort to watch a service online. There's so many other things that you're trying to do while you worship. Or if you're in person with us this morning, it takes some effort to get here, doesn't it? Especially if you've got kids. You know, we raised four kids in our house. And I tell you, my, my wife and I work really hard. My poor wife worked really hard <laughs> in trying to get all the girls dressed. And so if you've got kids, you know it takes some effort to come. And so it takes effort to get here. It takes effort to stay connected, even if you're watching online. You know, why do we come together? 
You know, if you're here this morning, maybe it's because you're curious about God and the Bible. You know, sometimes people, they'll log online, they'll watch a service just because they're curious about what's happening in a church. You know, maybe you've come in this morning because you're kind of curious about what church is about. Maybe you're checking out churches. You know, maybe you're checking out Springbrook. We're glad you're here. If you're checking out Springbrook, we'd love the opportunity to help you get connected here. You know, we're glad you're here. You know, sometimes just coming together, you know, we want to celebrate the fact that you're here. I have some responsibilities today, so that's one of the reasons I'm here. But you know what's funny? Even if I wasn't teaching today, I would still be here because I love this church. There's something about coming together. I really enjoy being here. I enjoy being together with my fellow believers. I enjoy the encouragement that I get from others. I enjoy encouraging others. There's something about being here. I love being here. You know what? Maybe you're here this morning because you're going to serve at the next service. Or maybe you're here because you got invited here. You know, ideally, we're all here together today. Ideally, we're all here today to praise the Lord and to extol him because we have experienced his great steadfast love towards us and because of the faithfulness that the Lord endures forever. Hopefully, this is why we're gathered together. This is the reason we come together in worship, together in response to what God is doing in and through our life. And so faith, as you think about worship, faith is important to our worship. In fact, faith is the foundation for our worship. It's why we do what we do. If you brought your Bible with you, you can turn with me to the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 11. And if you're watching online, there's a place down at the bottom you can click the Bible. Uh, There's a Bible app built right into our online service, and so you can read there if you'd like or just listen along with me as well. And if you need a Bible, we've got some at the Ministry Center counter. They're free. They're our gift to you this morning if you're looking for a Bible to read. But beginning in Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, Faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their condemnation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, which he was commended to him as righteousness, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through faith, he did, and still he speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him up. Now before it was taken, it was commended to him that he was pleased God. Verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those that seek him. As you read through Hebrews 11, it's really a faith chapter. It's stories of faith. There's 18 times when you hear about by faith, by faith. And so Hebrews 11 is several times referred to as the faith chapter. You've got Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob. You've got Moses and Rahab. It's just a whole chapter of people that by faith are living out that faith. And so it's an opportunity for them to to talk about and to just be witnesses to the life-transforming work of God in a person's life. You know, it's faith that is the motivation for our worship. And this faith is more than just the giants of the past. It's much more than that. It's also very relevant for the readers of the time, and it's relevant for us today as well. In verse 3, Hebrews eleven three says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And so who is the we in that passage? 
We have, the, we, have the, we have the faithful that have gone before us, and then we have the we that are reading at the time, and then we have the application for us today. We understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is relevant for us today. It affects how we worship and how we understand our faith. You know, I'm looking at this uh, podium, and it's got some plastic and some metal on it. How surprised would you be if I told you that this was man-made? Anybody doubt that somebody made this? Are there any doubts in your mind that somebody made this podium? If you saw it hanging from a tree, would you believe it? There's absolutely no doubt in your mind that somebody made this. It's got some screws on the top. They mined the ore, they formed it, they manufactured it, they packaged it together, and we found a great deal on Amazon. We bought it, and it showed up. Isn't that great? Does that surprise anyone? That's really easy to believe, isn't it? Because it's reality. It's easy to believe that. But let me ask you this. How easy is it for you to believe that God created everything from nothing? God created everything from nothing. Do you understand that? Do you believe that? You know, do you believe that God created you? That you have been fearfully and wonderfully made with a plan and a purpose? Do you believe that God loves you? That Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for your sins, and the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you can experience the fullness of life that is available to us today? Do you believe that? Because if you do, you're in the minority. Many people don't believe that. Why is it difficult for us to believe that, but yet we can look at this and say there's no doubt that somebody made this? You see, faith is the foundation of our understanding about our relationship with God. Verse 1 said this, Now faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for. It's the convictions of things not seen. That's what faith is. It's the assurance of things that are hoped for. The assurance is the, it's the substance of our belief. It's the, it's the certainty with which we understand things. And it's a conviction of things that are not seen. A conviction is something that is proof, it's, and it's evidenced by behavior. I am assured of this, and I am convicted of this because I have seen it in my own life. It's a fact. It's a reality for me. And so when I talk to people about the life change that comes from having a relationship with Christ, it is faith, but it is also a reality for those that believe. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the convictions of things not seen. And how we worship God, what we bring together when we come together this morning, and how we worship God is dependent on our faith. It's a response, right? Your faith is reflected in your worship this morning. So when you came together, what others saw, what you see in your own life is reflective of what you believe. And, you know, and it's, it's not just reflective of your faith. You know, our worship is reflective of our, our belief, but then also our faith is reflective of our worship. They, they work together. How we worship is a response to God and how your faith is reflected in your worship, and it must be genuine. If we come together and worship and it's not genuine, then there's something that's not going to work. You know, our faith must be genuine. And the importance of faith in worship is the fact that our faith has got to be genuine when we come together or it breaks down. 
experiencing God's steadfast love, experiencing his faithfulness is evidence that your faith is genuine. So we can say that we believe it, but it's got to be something that is genuine inside of us. The importance of genuine and experienced faith in worship cannot be overstated. Not only must our faith be genuine, but it must be something that we've experienced. And so I can't just say that I believe that Jesus is God or that Jesus is a good man or a prophet. I have to experience that. The Holy Spirit has to come in me. My life has to be changed. And not only does that faith have to be real, but we have to have claimed it. It's as if I offered to give you $10. If you don't come get it, you don't have the $10. And so we have to not only believe it, but we have to experience it. And those two things have to work together. It is critical that those two things work together. Faith and worship, the importance of these cannot be overstated. It is so important. In fact, everything, everything, both in this life and the next, is based on this reality. The genuineness of our faith and our ability to be able to experience it. In Hebrews eleven six, it says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, there's nothing that we can do to please God. There's nothing that we can do to be right with God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. It is impossible to please God without faith. Let me ask you this. Could you, um, do you know anybody that could lift two million pounds. Can anybody in this room lift two million pounds? It's impossible, isn't it? It is impossible for any human being to lift two million pounds unless they have the Vogel 4 CA20 module. You can crawl up into that machine and you can lift two million pounds. Isn't that amazing? You could not lift the two million pounds on your own, but with that vocal thing, man, you are good to go. And you can lift two million pounds. In the same way, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot do it on your own unless you got that vocal machine. So if we want to be right with God, if we want to be in relationship with God, if we want to live lives that are pleasing to him, we have to live it out in faith. And if we want to draw close to God, we must believe that he exists. There's no room for doubt in there. Are you going to go to heaven? I think so. Do you believe God exists? I'm pretty sure. I think so. We must believe that God exists. If we're going to draw close to him and experience the fullness of a relationship with him, we've got to be, we can't have any doubts about the relationship. My wife and I have been married 36 years, and we are constantly having to work towards one another. 
Because if we don't give each other the benefit of the doubt, if we don't live out the 1 Corinthians 13 passage, we're going to pull away. You're either moving towards or you're pulling apart. And we've got to constantly be encouraging each other to draw into this reality and to be reminded that God does exist. He does love you. He does have a plan for your life. His love is steadfast. He is faithful. His love will endure forever. And we are here together this morning to worship that collectively as the body of Christ. We can worship God individually, but there's something about coming together where we, we can encourage each other in this reality. And he will reward those who seek after him. He's a rewarder. He is going to render in return for performance. There is a reward that comes from following and believing that Jesus Christ is God, to believe that God exists. God is a rewarder. He rewards those who believe that. And it's not a pop machine kind of rewarding. It's not a, hey, I really need that new car. Let me drop that quarter in and see if God provides. Well, I prayed for that last week. Where is it? That's not the kind of reward that we're talking about. In the context of this, we're talking about faith in God that he's got a plan. It's the reality of the hope that we have in Christ. You know, God is a rewarder in a sense that we respond to the good news about Jesus. John 6, says, no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. And so God draws us into a relationship. We believe that. We step out in faith, and we believe that, and God rewards us with the assurance of salvation, of knowing that we're where we're going to spend eternity. That's the Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace that you have been saved through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. It's our faith that saves us. That's the, that's the ultimate reward. I know where I'm going to spend eternity. And Jesus said that he came so that we could have life and have it to the full. God knows what I want even before I ask him. That's what Matthew says. Even before I ask God what I want, he already knows what I need. And so I need to pray in the Father's will. God, you know, our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when I pray, when I seek God, it's always in accordance with what God wills. If I'm praying for a million dollars and I win a million dollars, well, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that one. But that's not the way that prayer is designed. We pray in God's will. God already knows what we need. And, and with regard to faith, it is important for us to to be grounded and rooted in understanding that our faith is the, is, is the assurance of what's hoped for and the reward is the fact that we've been saved. I know where I'm going and I have life and I have it to the full. You know, that is the ultimate reward. Faith is so important to our worship. It must be genuine and it must be experienced. Those are two components of who we're called to be together is that we experience genuine faith and we share that with one another. And then we share that with other people. You know, we have a genuine faith. We've experienced it. And then as a part of our corporate worship, we share that with other people. You know, we talked last week about when we come together, there's something about the fact that we are a witness to our community. And so people are drawn because of the sense of awe that we have or don't have in Springbrook. You know, because of who we are together, because of the sense of awe that's working in us, people are attracted to this. And so that's a good thing. You know, but then there's also the responsibility that we have because of our faith. We share that hope that we have in ourselves with other people. That's an important part of our worship is sharing what God is doing in our lives. That's why these stories of Springbrook are so important. They're important because they give evidence, their testimony of where God's working in our lives. It's evidence of a genuine experienced faith, and we're sharing that with one another, and other people are encouraged. Stories at Springbrook is a great way for us to be able to express our worship. It's going to be a, it's a part of our worship service. 
know, we come together, we sing, we have our tithes and offerings, we come together, we do communion, and we share stories, we do baptisms, we, we use our spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ. There's so many different things that happen when we come together as we experience genuine worship and we share what God is doing in our lives with others. We all have a story. I know it can be hard to share a story, but, you know, we have been called to be witnesses. We have the Holy Spirit in us to be witnesses. It's so important that we share our stories as a result of what God's doing in and through our lives. In John chapter 9, there's a story about Jesus. He heals a blind man. And so if you've got your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 9. I want to read chapter 9 with you. Jesus is passing by. He sees a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? This guy has been blind from birth. Whose fault is it? Did his parents sin? Or did something he did, did he sin? Why is he blind? Jesus said it wasn't the man's sin or his parents' sin. In other words, sometimes things that we do, there's consequences to. And there is generational sin. There's things that happen in our family that gets passed down to our children. There's generational sin. There's consequences for our sin. But Jesus said that, that wasn't the case in either one of these. Sometimes things happen in our lives, and it's just an opportunity for us to glorify God. And that's what Jesus says in verse 3. It wasn't this man's sin or his parents, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe some brokenness, and you're trying to figure out why is this happening? Why is this happening? And, you know, sometimes it happens for you just to be able to draw closer and get a sense of God in your life. We can, use our tri- we can use our brokenness, our hurts and our habits and our, our hang-ups. We can use those things that are happening in our lives to point others to Christ, to be encouraged in our faith and point others to Christ. And Jesus said this is happening so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, he made mud with saliva, and he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of si- uh, Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed, and he came back seeking. When he came back, the neighbors... And those who had seen him before, when he was a beggar, said, Is this the man who not used to sit here and beg? Some says it is, and some said, No, it can't be him. And he kept saying, I'm the man. I'm the guy. I'm it. And so people are doubting. Is this, is this, what's going on here? Is this the guy? No, it's not the guy. And so there's this disagreement that rises up among them. So they end up bringing him to the Pharisees down in verse 13. The man who had been formerly blind, and it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And so the Pharisees asked him, how is it that you received your sight on the Sabbath? Well, God put some mud on my eyes. He washed it and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this cannot be from God. This cannot be from God. This man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, well, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there's a division among the the um, Pharisees. And so they begin to argue about themselves. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind. And so then they started calling into question, are you really blind? So they called his parents. Parents come in, is this really your son? Is this really, uh, was he really blind? His parents said, yeah, well, we know this. This is our son. We know he was blind, verse 21, but now he sees and we don't know, nor, 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 nor do we know who did it. Ask him. He's of age. We can't make any sense of this. Let him take care of it. He's on his own. In verse 22, it says that his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be thrown out of the synagogue. So his parents said, you know, ask him. They wanted nothing to do with their son being healed. They wanted nothing to do with him being able to see the sight. So they called him back in a second time. 
Give glory to God. We know that this man that did this to you is a sinner. So verse 25, he says this. Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though, I was blind and now I see. They said to him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And they began to question him. He said in verse 27, I have already told you this, and you would not listen. Why do you want to keep hearing this story over and over again? Do you want to become Christians as well? Are you trying to become a disciple? They reviled him. They abused him. They verbally abused him and accosted him, and they kicked him out of the synagogue because of what happened. Jesus hears about it in verse 35. He comes to him and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? He said, I do. I do. And I, may, and, and I, said, I said, I do. Who is he? That I can believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he replied, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. One of the fascinating things about this story, as I was kind of studying this passage, was it was amazing how many times this man was abused because of the work that Christ had done in his life. Sharing your testimony can be difficult. It's a genuine faith that we seek to have. We try to experience it individually, but we need to share what God has done in our life with other people. And it's difficult. It's hard. You're not always looked upon favorably. I know it's intimidating to want to share your stories. You don't have to come up here with me. We're not going to have to do a video. You can just email me. Share with somebody. God is doing some work in your life. You want to, you want to celebrate that. I know it can be difficult to get baptized. I know, it's, I know it can be a little threatening to get into a small group. I, I know it can be a little intimidating to try to find a place to serve. But you know what? It's when the Holy Spirit is in you, he gives you the strength to accomplish the things that he wants for you. And one of those things is sharing your faith with the people around you. I mean, think about how difficult it is to, to share some with your friends and neighbors. He came to, he said, is this, is this the guy? No, it's not, it's not him, it's somebody else. Even with his neighbors, they're arguing about it. He's like, hey, I'm the man, I'm the man. I mean, his friends and neighbors were busting his chops about whether or not he was blind and whether or not he could really now see. And then the religious leaders, those that are spiritual, have you ever had a conversation with a spiritual person and you're trying to explain to them you know, who Jesus is? Sometimes it just doesn't go well. But you know, it's interesting. The Pharisees kept wanting to know, hey, how do you receive your sight? How do you receive your sight? Look, I told you. He put mud on my eyes, I was washed, and now I see. So sometimes we get pushback from our friends and neighbors. Sometimes we get pushback from religious people. And sometimes we get pushback from our family. It's a surprise to me that the parents distance themselves from their son. That was, that's our son. He was blind, but man, I want nothing to do with that. You want, you want to know what, what happened there? You go ask him. His response was to the rejection of his parents and to the persecution from the, per, from the Pharisees there. Look, I don't know whether he was a sinner or not. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. That's his story. That's his testimony. That's him sharing. His faith is genuine. He believed it was the Lord. He experienced the Lord's forgiveness. He experienced being able to see. He's like, look, this is all I know. I was blind and now I see. Has Jesus Christ changed your life? What change has Christ made in your life? How can we help 
but want to share that with others. This is such a vital part of our worship and what we bring together when we come together to worship on Sunday morning or when you leave and you get up in the morning to do your devotion or in your prayer time or in your reading or your, when you're talking to your friends, your family, your kids. You know, we all have a story to share and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's such an important part of how we worship God and please Him rightly and are, accomplished, and are able to accomplish what He has for us. We need to share what God's doing in our life as a form of our worship. And then we need to live it out. We need to live out our faith. That's an important part of our worship, is actually coming together. It's actually, it's waiting, it's, it's praying, it's, it's doing something with what we know. It's genuine, it's experience, and we're sharing it, but we also need to live it out. If our faith is genuine, our worship is going to be genuine. When we come together this morning and we're singing and we're raising our hands, it's because, God, I am grateful. It's an extolling of the Lord. It's the, it's the praising Him. You know, I grew up in an environment where we used to kneel a lot. There's sometimes why I like to kneel when I pray. There's all different ways of expressing our worship to God. If our faith is genuine, our worship will be genuine as well. If our faith is experienced, then what we experience together will be genuine as well. If faith is genuine, our worship will be an experience that's just a, that's an outwardly expression of what's something that really is happening in our heart. If our faith is shared, others will be drawn into our worship. These all work together, and then we have to live it out. And living out our faith is a significant form of how we worship. Look what happened to our blind man in verse 35. When Jesus had heard that they had cast him out, they found him and he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Yes, he answered. And who is the one that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him. So this is what happens when he sees him. Do you believe? Oh, I want to believe. Who is it that I'm speaking to? Well, it's me. I'm the one that's speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. He Genuine faith. It was experienced. It's a shared experience, and he's living it out. He worshiped him as a result of what Christ had done in his life. You know, we need to live out our faith. If, if, if you believe, if you have faith and you believe, you will, worship, you will worship. Worship is not something you really have to work hard at. You know, we have a, uh, we have, uh, we used to have a, a, a grapefruit tree. Uh, in one of our previous homes, and I'd walk out there, it's like, oh, has it got grapefruit yet? No, because I love grapefruit. And so I'd walk out and look for that grapefruit, and oh, man, it just didn't grow fast enough. It needed sun, it needed some water. That, it, just, it needed the right conditions, and so I had to water it and fertilize it, and I got grapefruit. That tree didn't have to work hard at making the grapefruit. It was a byproduct of sun and soil and conditions and, you know, uh, whatever, water, you know. There's elements that at the end result in a piece of fruit. Well, in our worship, if we believe, if, we, if our faith is genuine, and if we have experienced it, if we're sharing that, and we're living it out, then we can't help but worship him. If you believe, you will worship. If you have faith, you will please God. You know, what we believe is found in our worship. Romans uh, 12.1 says that we are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable God to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And I've known this passage for, I know some, some people know this passage and they look at that and they think, yep, I know exactly what that means. Sometimes people know that passage and they're struggling to live it out. I mean, I know this, but ugh, you don't know what's going on in my life right now. Some people look at this and they're not even quite sure what that means. Some people are not quite sure what this looks like. If you have a relationship with Christ, you are not your own. You have been bought at a price. And as a result of who we are, we we serve him, we make ourselves available, and we offer ourselves up as our living act of worship. We're not our own. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, You've been saved by grace through faith, not by works so that no one can boast. Verse 10, For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works. God's got something for us to do together which he prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. And we know this verse. We, I have taught on this verse several times at Springbrook. But we need to be reminded of this verse routinely. Because you know what happens? Life. <laughs> Life just gets in the way. It's been a rough two years. It's been a rough year. It's been a rough six months. And guess what? August, it just has not let up for me. How about you? <laughs> We need to be reminded that God has a plan and a purpose for us in our circumstances. And we come together this morning. It's an opportunity for us to encourage one another in our faith, to be a public, be, be a public witness for our community that, hey, God is real. God is changing lives. And we have a responsibility to share that with other people. And we have to encourage one another as we live it out. The Bible says that all believers have a spiritual gift. We have these spiritual gifts to sharpen one another so we can accomplish God's plans for us. That's what Paul's writing about in 1 Corinthians 14. You have these spiritual gifts that God's given you. Strive to excel in building up the body of Christ. You know, there's over 30 spiritual gifts that we look at at Springbrook. I mean, there's, there's healing and, and prophecy, service, giving, organization, knowledge. There's, there's 30 spiritual gifts out there, and, and, and God's given you one. And so sometimes people look at that and go, wow, really? Why me? Do I really have those gifts? You do. God's given you a gift. If you have a relationship with Christ, God has given you a gift so that you could be strengthened, so that you can encourage and serve others, and so the body of Christ could be built up until we all attain the unity of faith. And all these things work together to strengthen us as we worship with a genuine faith, as we experience what God has for us together, as we share the work that God's doing in our lives individually and corporately as the body of Christ and live out our faith. All of these things work together. Our faith is so in, such an important part of our worship. It's impossible to please God without it. It's who we're called to be together. And I want to encourage you as we continue. We've got this service. We have one more week of this series. I want to encourage you. If you haven't had a chance, it's not too late. You can sign up for one of those weekly devotions. I want to encourage you to spend some time thinking about, hey, what does this look like in my life? Talk to somebody about what God's doing in your life. Let's encourage one another as we prepare for the fall. We've got some exciting things uh, coming towards us. Um, Pastor Matt's almost finished with that First John Bible study. We've got two new small groups. We've got 20 groups to pick from. Our ministry is right now cautiously starting to move towards reopening. There's a lot of things that we have to look forward to as we move towards the fall, and I want to encourage you to find a place where God would have you be a part of what he wants to accomplish in our church. Our starting point workshop was full. Our spiritual gifts workshops filling up. We've got, we've got opportunities for workshops to help you share your faith. We, we're here to equip you for ministry so that you can accomplish that all God has for you and so that we can accomplish all that God has for us together. So please, 
Let us know how we can help you get connected to, be, to grow in your faith and to be encouraged. And so I just want to ask you this morning, if you're, if you're not secure in who you are in Christ, maybe, you're, maybe you've been coming to Springbrook for a while, you know, or if you're, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're online for the first time, if, if you're not secure in who you are in Christ, everything hinges off of that. We have to understand who we are in Christ before any of this will start to work. And so if you have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, we want to help you understand what that relationship looks like. Maybe you've made a faith commitment. You're just trying to figure out what's next. We've got our, our baptism. You know, we're, we're like to schedule our baptism is really getting lonely. So if you've got questions about baptism, it's an outward expression of something that you've come to believe in your heart. And if you've never had an opportunity to be baptized, that's a great next step. If you want to know about, more about Springbrook and how to get connected, we have another starting point class starting up in 45 days. We have our spiritual gifts class coming up. We've got small groups coming up. We're doing everything that we can do to create space for people to come in and get connected and experience what it means to live a life that's pleasing to God as we worship and serve Him together. And if you have any questions about how we can help you do that, please um, let us know. And so if you're in person with us, you've got that welcome uh, card. You've got that connection card on your chair. We encourage you to take that out. And uh, you can write your name on there if you're a first-time guest with us this morning. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, you can put as much information on there as you feel comfortable sharing. Uh, if you're a regular attender, we really would like to know you were here. On the back is a place to indicate, you know, what, what interest you might have or what questions you might have. And there's a place for you to drop that off in the back on your way out. And if you're watching online, there's an online connection card there. We've got online hosts that are sitting right there waiting for you to say, hey, do you have any questions? We'll love the opportunity to you know, answer any questions that you might have. But if there's anything we can do to help you to be able to experience more of what God might have for you, uh, please let us know. I'm so glad that you were here with us today. We hope you have a great afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. Thank you for the hope that we do have in Christ. Uh, God, thank you for your call on our lives. Uh, God, we know that uh, we didn't get there in our own strength. Uh, God, we needed your spirit drawing us into a relationship with you, and uh, we know on a daily basis we're dependent on your spirit to get us through the day. So God, I pray that you would continue to um, uh, fill us with your spirit, encourage us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to encourage one another. Uh, God, I pray that our lives uh, would be reflective of the glory and the the worthiness that you you desire and you deserve. Uh, God, so we just thank you uh, for that. And uh, we commit this day to you. I look forward to all that you have for us, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.